The Big Scary Show is brought to you in part by Dark Imaginings. Web design, creepy changing portraits, and much, much more. DarkImaginings.com For the deepest, darkest crews, to the backwoods swamp where we hit the bottom, for the inside of your casket, to the fears lying deep inside your subconscious, it's time for the Big Scary Show. Factory, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. This is Jesse Haley from Destiny Lodge, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. <laughs> this is Travis Bowling from the American Horrorplex, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hello, creeps. It's me, John Kassir, the voice of The Crypt Keeper. <laughs> And you're listening to The Big Scary Show, the top podcast in the industry. <laughs> this is Lee with Ticket Leap, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hey, this is Alex Linebrink from Pompeii, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hi. This is Dave Prowse, Darth Vader from Star Wars, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. You're listening to The Big Scary Show with three big scary men and one that wears more makeup than I do. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry folks, we're still a little broken up that Halloween's over, although there are a couple of haunts that are still out there and open this weekend and even next weekend. So we hope you get out there and celebrate the end of the 2020 Halloween season. But we hope you'll never end listening to The Big Scary Show because we're here year-round to give you the finest in news, information, music, entertainment, giveaways, and everything you've come to expect with us over the last eight years. Well, folks, we've got a dandy of a show, even though we are kind of in mourning to for uh, the end of Halloween and the end of October, but we've got some great stuff coming up. Storm's going to be ranting again in a hot minute, as he usually does. Meat Hook Jim is going to continue talking about burial practices. This time he's going to Italy to talk about what they do with the dead. The instrumentalist Jerry Vane's going to be spinning some very cool music to keep the spirit of Halloween alive into November. I will be reading the deadline news. We do have a gruesome giveaway for the month of November, so we do hope you will enter that contest. And maybe you'll be the winner just in time for the holiday season. Who can say? 
The Round Table of Terror. You know, it's been a really wacky year for haunts. A lot weren't open, but we picked a few people who were open and got them on the show to talk about how they adapted from this season compared to previous years. If you're a haunt owner and you weren't open, you might want to listen to this. Or if you were a haunt owner that was open, maybe you can compare notes and find out just what they did and how successful they were. Weister's still in mourning for the end of Halloween, so we gave him the night off, so he's not on the show this week. But we have so much more coming up, so we hope you'll continue to listen, even after Halloween, and all year long, here on The Big Scary Show. You've heard commercials where people tell you what they thought about a movie. Listen to what an entire audience had to say about visiting hours. This is not a trick. The screams you are hearing are the actual audience reaction to a sneak preview of Visiting Hours, a feeling so frightening you may never recover. Visiting Hours, rated R, under 17, not admitted without parent. Enter the haunted world of Fright Find and discover an environment dedicated to promoting your haunt. Target customers who will influence others on attending haunt attractions as Fright Find brings in scream seekers looking for haunted places, events, and accommodations of every sort. Various exposure options give you the ability to reach your audience throughout the year. Don't be afraid. Go to FrightFind.com now to add your haunt for free and see for yourself the difference Fright Find will make in your haunt listing. Audio Zombie, The Living Dead, on The Big Scary Show.
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is time for Deadline News here on The Big Scary Show with your host, me, Drew Badger, bringing you all the latest in the haunted house, Halloween, and horror industries. Hello everyone, this is Drew Badger and this is Deadline News for episode 223. And unfortunately we're going to start off with some sad news from not one but two of our own. This comes to us via Haunted Hollow in Rockwood, Pennsylvania. We are deeply sorry to announce that the Haunted Hollow family has experienced an unbelievable loss of two of our key team members. Tika Hetrick and Corey Roadman in a house fire in Somerset, Pennsylvania on October 31st. They were both incredible haunt enthusiasts and respected and loved by many. Hmm. The Big Scary Show sends its deepest condolences to the family and friends of Tika Hedrick and Corey Roadman and the Haunted Hollow family and offers up this moment of silence. On a slightly lighter note, we have some news on our 10,800th like on Facebook. The Big Scary Show would like to recognize Eric Bear of Temperance, Michigan for being our 10,800th like on Facebook. Thank you for listening, Eric, and we hope you continue to do so. Remember, folks, for every 100th like, we'll give you a shout-out. So once again, thank you to Eric Bear of Temperance, Michigan. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at The Big Scary Show, Instagram at Big Scary Show, and of course, listen to us on all the streaming platforms, and of course, at BigScaryShow.com. Not too early to be talking about this, but we have news from the Krampus Society and Deep Ellum Krampus Walk in Dallas, Texas. After careful consideration regarding the health and safety of our fans, participating venues, and the countless number of Krampus who participate in the Dallas Krampus Walk every year, the Krampus Society has made the difficult decision to cancel the scheduled Dallas Krampus Walk on Saturday, December 5th. Following increased and overwhelming concerns about the COVID-19 virus, we felt this was the best way to proceed during such an unprecedented global situation. We are very disappointed that we are unable to hold this event for our fans and supporters this year, but we know it's the right decision based on the information we have today. Sincerely, the Krampus Society. Keep up with any of their updates on their Facebook page, facebook.com slash Krampus Society. We have a little ghost hunting news from the Haunted Texas Paranormal Group. On Friday, the 13th of November, come join us for an evening of ghosts and hauntings at Hill House Manor located in Gainesville, Texas, about an hour north of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. We'll start the evening off with Ghost Hunting 101 class where we teach about our equipment and how to use it. We'll then let you use our equipment to conduct your own paranormal investigation inside of Hill House Manor. Dinner and snacks are included in your ticket purchase, and it's limited to only 10 guests. This will be an amazing night, so for more information or to book your spot, please visit our website at hauntedtexasparanormal.com. If you use the promo code HALLOWEEN, you will save 10% off your ticket purchase. We have a little haunt news, this time from the Haunted Pyramids in Lawndale, North Carolina. 
We are open for Friday the 13th and Saturday the 14th, and we have a very special guest, Butch Patrick, a.k.a. Eddie Munster. He will be signing autographs and taking pictures. The Haunted Pyramids is one of the most frightening haunts in North Carolina, with jaw-dropping special effects inside their five haunts. Bring your face masks, but if you need one, we have them available. We also have hand sanitizer setups, and all the details you need are at hauntedpyramids.com. We have some more haunt news, this time from Hell's Dungeon in Dayton, Ohio. It's Monster Movie Mayhem at Hell's Dungeon on Friday, November 13th, beginning at 8 until Saturday the 14th at midnight. We have this news from Hell's Dungeon in Dayton, Ohio. It's Monster Movie Mayhem at Hell's Dungeon on Friday the 13th, beginning at 8 p.m. We're located at 3866 Linden Avenue in Dayton. Join us for our final night of the Halloween season where your favorite horror movie characters will be taking over our haunt. If you're afraid of hell, wait until you what, see what lies beneath hell. Get more information at their website, SurviveHellsDungeon.com. We have this news from the Hillside Horror Haunted Attraction in Roaring River, North Carolina. Not ready for Halloween to be over? That's okay, because neither are we. Come out to fear the difference for a special show unlike anything you've ever experienced. Hillside Horror presents Darkness Falls on November 13th and 14th. Do you have what it takes to navigate the hillside in total darkness? Nestled deep in the darkness of the North Carolina foothills, Hillside Horror has a unique ominous setting that cannot be duplicated. A huge sinister corn maze, haunted house that will haunt your dreams, and countless live actors are all part of the experience when you fear the darkness at Hillside Horror. Get your tickets to Darkness Falls at hillsidehorror.com. And finally, we have this news from Haunters Against Hate. Thank you once again for a great 2020 Halloween season. If your haunt has already donated $500 or more this season, you will be added to the all-new sponsor page into the upcoming coffee table book, The Book of Haunters, Volume 5, and you'll get a complimentary copy. If you're a haunt or business involved with the haunt or LGBTQ communities, and would like to be included in this special edition with an introduction by Lori Cardile from Romero's Day of the Dead, they will need an EPS or PNG file of your logo sent to paul at hauntersagainsthate.com. Thank you for your support. Keep up with updates and get those books at hauntersagainsthate.com. Remember, folks, if you have news in the haunted house, Halloween, or horror industries, and you want it on the show, email it to us, news at bigscaryshow.com, and we'll get it on the show. No news is too big or too small. This concludes this edition of the Big Scary Show's Deadline News. <laughs>
Want to take your haunt to a new dimension of terror? Then let Dark Imaginings conjure up some ghoulish graphics and web design services for your home, haunt, or crypt. Mm. To see more of our products and services, drop by darkimaginings.com. Let us help you get ahead of your competition. <laughs> Broadcasting to you from the darkest reaches of the earth. This is a Haunt Minute. And now, with this week's commentary, Storm. Alright, so you know, this year, I've seen a lot of creative ideas with haunts and a lot of different things to do, and I, I thought I saw them all. I thought you could possibly be as creative as you could be with haunts until I just saw this article out of Indiana for the Tunnel of Terror. What's the Tunnel of Terror? The Tunnel of Terror is a haunted car wash. Oh, wait a minute, how the hell does that work? Well, apparently what they do is um, they close up early uh, a couple of nights. They just did it the weekend of Halloween this year. And, you know, from 7 to 9, instead of just being a car wash, they have some, uh, self-admittedly, this is how they described it, they have some Halloween decorations out in the parking lot and the, the drive area as you pull up. And, you know, in the car wash, they have a couple of their employees in costumes that jump out at you. And self-admitted, it's a really short haunt. Yeah, it's a short little thing, but fun. And they're charging $20 a car. This is brilliant. This is amazing. We take it take like the simplest, smallest thing. Oh, you don't even get a car wash. No, this is just for the haunt. This is transforming it into the the haunted tunnel. It's absolutely amazing. I guess it's popular too because this is a car wash chain, and they've done it at a few of them, and it's and people have picked up and went on it. This is how starved for entertainment people are. We can put some Halloween props and stuff in. A car wash, and it's going to be popular and go. And I know all your home haunters are kicking themselves right now. It's like, well, God, I could do a haunted driveway for 20 bucks. I could charge people to drive through my driveway for 20 bucks. This is absolutely amazing. This is, this is something just to lock on to, you know. I, I, I want to go buy a car wash just so I can do this in October. Brilliant. You know, when you think you've seen everything and everything's been creative, somebody out there comes up with a whole nother idea and just takes it to whatever level works. It doesn't even matter how how crazy and, and, and nuts it is. I mean, you know, you look at us haunters and stuff, and it, you know, you listen to the Haunted Attraction podcast, and we push through stuff. We've been doing it for eight years, and we've seen everything. It's a multi-million dollar haunts at the top of this thing, and these are a bunch of people who have a car wash, and oh, decorate for Halloween, and we'll charge you to go through without even getting the car wash. That's freaking amazing. I mean, I, I, I'd I even give, like, a coupon or something for the car wash. You know, half off or something next time. Unfreaking believable Awesome. Hey, everybody, keep coming up with the great ideas like this. This is amazing. So until next time, keep every minute scary. Tune in next episode for another Haunt Minute. And in the meantime, share your opinion on the Big Scary Show Facebook page and on Twitter at 
Big Scary Storm. Hi, this is Josh Gates from Travel Channel's Expedition Unknown, reminding you to send all hate mail to storm at bigscaryshow.com. Are you looking for a comprehensive ticketing solution for your haunted attraction? HauntPay has the answer. We skip the features you don't need and focus on the ones you like, such as timed ticketing and repeat time slots, variable ticket types, bundle and combo tickets, social media discounts, and now featuring all-in-one options including managing your tickets online and at the door, as well as upselling and managing your merchandise and concessions with a comprehensive report on everything at the end of the night. Head on over to hauntpay.com and get started in 60 seconds for free. And ladies and gentlemen, it may be November, but that does not mean that we will not have a gruesome giveaway this month because we have them every month. And it's time for the gruesome giveaway for the month of November, sponsored by our very good friends at ScreamlineStudios.com. Please go check out their website because, hey, need to start that holiday shopping as soon as you can. And they've got a lot of stuff to look through. What's basically going to happen for all you new listeners out there is I'm going to ask a question here. The answer is in the show. And what we need you to do, if you know the answer, is to email us your name, your phone number, and the answer to contest at bigscaryshow.com before midnight on November 16th. And we will randomly select an entrant, and you could be the winner of a fine prize from Screamline Studios. Without further ado, the question for the November gruesome giveaway is... During the Round Table of Terror, there's a hint, Jesse Haley of the Dead City Lodge ran a drive through haunt this year, rather than his regular haunt. How many cars did he expect his first night at the drive through haunt? There's a range. If you think you know that answer, email it to us, contest at bigscaryshow.com, before midnight on November 16th, along with your name and your phone number, and you might be selected to be the winner. Previous winners and family members of Big Scary Show owners, not eligible to win, And again, thank you so much to our friends at ScreamlineStudios.com for providing us some great prizes to give away just in time for the holiday season. Good luck, everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, it's over. Halloween 2020 has passed us by. We're putting the final nail in the proverbial coffin on the season. It may be November, but there are still a few haunts open this weekend. Please go out and support those that are. And, of course, there is a Friday the 13th coming up, and there will be a couple of haunts open even then. So... If you're one of the lucky ones that has a haunt open near you, please go support them because it has been a bizarre year to say the least. 
you know, with, with the pandemic going on and all the craziness that has been happening with so many haunts closing, a lot of the haunts that opened had to do major changes, major modifications to their haunts. Some even converted them to different types of haunts. So we thought, why not talk to some of the folks who did? You know, this is normally the show we talk about what we did during Halloween season and all that. But uh, I, I don't know if the host really did anything. We, we can talk about that subject at a later time. But we definitely want to talk to some haunt owners that, that survived October 2020. They still might be putting on a show this weekend or next. Or they're shut down for the year, maybe preparing for Christmas we shall see. But let's introduce our guests who are with us tonight. I want to start off on the East Coast with Jesse Haley. Jesse is with the Dead City Lodge in Richmond, Virginia. Jesse, are you there? I'm still here. All right. Great to talk to you again, sir. Yep. Well, representing the Midwest, we have Travis Bowling with the American Horrorplex in Louisville, Kentucky. Always a fun guest. Travis, are you with us? And the crowd goes wild for the American Horrorplex. Woo! <laughs> I guess that means you're with us. And going way out west, we had this person on back in May when it was the Halfway to Halloween show, and they were one of the first haunts to actually put on a show when COVID was just starting to become really, really big. We have Heidi Dunfield from the Fear Factory, Salt Lake City, Utah. Heidi, how are you? Good, thank you. It's nice to talk. Nice to be here again. It's always a pleasure to have you here, as well as our regular hosts, including up in Rhode Island. We have Storm. I have shoveled out from the Halloween snowstorm, and I am here. Nice. Down in Cincinnati, Ohio, not too far from Louisville, we have Meat Hook Jim. You know the the weather and the storms this October made my home display a real challenge. As a matter of fact, uh, I found a couple of my tombstones across the street and down the road today. In the real cemetery? Not inside the fence. Ah, maybe they were visiting. Up in Columbus, Ohio, back from his uh, absence, feeling better, we have Jerry Vane. Feeling better, and after all the medication that they put me on for how I was feeling, I celebrated Halloween by not one trick-or-treater, but just myself diving into the treats. <laughs> and I don't recommend Scooby-Doo Happy Halloween. No, don't. My name is Drew Badger down in Charlotte, North Carolina. I celebrated Halloween by taking my son out for pizza, where we were the only people in the restaurant, and then sitting down for an evening of Halloween Town, Hocus Pocus, and... <laughs> Wrestling Women versus the Aztec Mummy. Yes, we watched it. In Seriously? Its oh, it's so fantastic. But anyway, to our guests, um, I guess the question would be, how did your season go? Heidi, we had you on in May. You were able to put on one night out of two that you were hoping for back then. I assume you were on more than a couple of nights this season. Let's talk to you first. How did the Fear Factory in Salt Lake City fare? during haunt season and are you are you closed for the season too we actually will we're uh closed for a couple weeks and we reopen on friday the 13th uh so that's a one-nighter and uh but it'll be fun to kind of get back into it again um we we did amazing like 
way better than I thought. You know, we did better than our best projections. We wondered if the public wanted, would still want to come out or everyone was getting, you know, more and more scared. Uh, in Utah, we're actually one of the highest cases right now of COVID in the country, like per capita. And every day they are releasing record numbers of, of tests that were positive. So, you know, the governor would get on and we'd kind of be watching really closely to see if we were going to be able to stay open. Um, but luckily, we live in a pretty business-friendly state, and, you know, we just maintained extra safety precautions, and we got through it. Very nice. Uh, Travis, how did the American Horrorplex fare during October, and are you closed for the season, or will you be open this weekend or next? Uh, well, the American Horrorplex is closed for the 2020 Halloween season. Um, we've got a couple other events coming up uh, in uh, December and February, but... Um, we had record-breaking numbers, uh, even including the Seventh Street Haunt. Uh, whenever I ran it years ago, um, you know, in nine years, this was the best season we ever had. Mm. And we will get into that in a bit after we find out from Jesse. Jesse, how was your season? And uh, are you done for the year? We are done for the year, and uh, to say the mildest, uh, our our season was. Insane. I mean, just absolutely insane. A good kind of insane or a horrible kind of insane? Uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, I guess. I can, <laughs> pro- I can, pro- can probably write a book on how not to, <laughs> to, to do a haunted drive-through. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a mess, but it was also very successful at the same time. Well, let's, let's go into that with you then, Jesse. Um, Dead City Lodge is normally not a drive-through haunt, I'm assuming. No. Um, what made you decide to make it a drive-through haunt, and what were some of the challenges that uh, you had to go through in order to get that to work? Well, first of all, I'll, honestly, with all the COVID going on, I was like actually really excited to actually not do Halloween for once and just spend it at home with the kids. But um, the Moose Lodge wasn't because we were a nonprofit. The Moose Lodge wasn't giving us a deposition to do anything open to the public. So I was like, oh, all right, fine, we're done. But I uh, took my kid to a place down the road here uh, called Hey Dad's Lake. And the lady who owned the place uh, saw the sticker on the window, approached me, and started talking about, you know, Halloween stuff. And, um, you know, one thing went to the other. And I was like, I've been seeing – I saw one drive-through that popped up in California. And I was kind of like threw it out there. I was like, you got you got the property to do it here. I was like, it's kind of cool to do something. And the Moose Lodge did not give us a deposition until it was too late. And um, I was like, well, I got to get the ball rolling. So basically ripped everything out the woods, literally threw it in the back of a bunch of trucks, took it over there and just scattered it all down the road. And, uh, you know, we, I was like, all right, we might get like 50 cars, 75 cars a night. We only opened for four nights. No promoting was no paid promoting whatsoever. And we're doing it for the, um, we were doing it for the lake, so it was no longer nonprofit. It was on. It was. I was basically, you know, contract after her. Where how that's worded, but um, so I just basically put on the Facebook Marketplace, stuck it on um, a couple of little local uh, pages, and she put it on her page, and um, you know, we're like, all right, we'll see what happens. I'm like I said, we were expecting fifty to seventy-five cars, and ended up getting um. 280 cars the first night with the four-hour wait. 280. 
Jesus H. How long does it take to uh, drive through? It was just like that's what I understand. People didn't do the, like you know. I put all the information out there. I was like, it's a, it's literally a ten minute drive at five miles an hour, and it's like you know, you know, it's not really much of anything. We just you know, we had a bunch of skeletons and zombies, and um, of course we had the uh, zombots that I'm known around Richmond for doing, and um, a couple other butcher house scenes, graveyards, you know, a little bit of everything, you know, and. Um, you know, we try to tell everybody it was more or less like for the community, very you know, family friendly. Because this was the first time we were doing this, so I was like, I'm not trying to have anybody drive their car into the lake, or the pool, or drive into another car. So I was like, you know, we're gonna try to scare them, but like we're not going to do our usual like you know, full blown scare. And um, it was just overwhelming to where like we were like said we we're expecting a couple you know, fifty cars every night. And uh, the very first night, it was like we cranked out 280 cars, and I got yanked out of because uh, not only I do I run the haunt, I'm actually a haunter myself, so I can you know see what everybody's doing and kind of you know all that stuff. So I got yanked off of my duty and actually had to do um, traffic control, which was miserable, miserable as hell. <laughs> but I'm, <laughs> it was it, it was crazy. Um, but uh, then we ended up doing like. Uh, 380-ish cars the second night, 480 on Friday, and then we did 517 Halloween night. And wow. each in, in each night, um, we still had cars that got mad because they got turned away. Um, the waiting for the waiting was like literally like two to three hours at that juncture, and it's like people didn't like like look at the flyer. It says it's a 10-minute drive at five miles an hour. And again, we advertised locally, had people from Washington, D.C., North Carolina, Virginia Beach, um, Roanoke come up here. I was like, and that was just the first weekend to a point where I started answering phone calls and they're like, hey, where are you from? And they're like, uh, it's about a two hour job. I'm like, do not come here. I was like, don't come here. You're going to be disappointed. <laughs> I was like, yeah, God. Um, but another, another um, hiccup we had was um, it's, a, it's, a two, well, it's a one lane road. Or like oh whatever small it's a really small road road this place is at yes and um you know that's where they have the, that's where they yeah, have this barbecue so yeah yeah, yeah. That's, it's not easy getting in that okay so you've been there okay yeah so the cops were cool they showed up both nights and were just awesome as awesome as you can ask for um but we did find out the hard way that we had to cut everything off at ten o'clock because there's noise ordinance and we didn't know that or at least I wasn't informed of it until like like uh, two hours before we opened on Saturday. So at that point I was already setting the lights up and get everything else rolling and had very little time to adjust the times and notify everybody. And it was just, it was, it was, it was, it was a nightmare the first week we got through it and uh, made lots of improvements the second week. And, and it, it was, it was fun. Um, I think a lot out of the, I would say got however many cars we ended cranking out. I, I'm horrible at math. But out of the thousand cars, I'm guessing we that we cranked through there, uh, we maybe had like you know maybe fifteen to twenty bad reviews. Most of those were just people who got mad didn't that they waited so long and didn't go didn't come in because they didn't do you know they didn't read online how what was going on. But um, for the most part, out of that, it was just people were just happy that we did something for the community for you know to give the parents something to do with their kids. So in hindsight, it was kind of like a half half. It was, the uh, the people who were 
giving bad reviews were just rude and nasty versus people who were really nice and happy that we did it. You know, they left really great, really good reviews. And most of them just messes me directly on Facebook. Thank me for what we did. Now, you know, I, I know that we, as the host have talked about, you know, drive through haunts, you know, someone's going to get scared. They're going to hit the gas. They're going to smash into somebody or something or another car. Did you have any issues with that, with people getting startled and hitting the brakes or hitting the gas at the inappropriate time? Um, the other haunters around me, um, they were all pretty much, some, of the, some people were new, some people were, you know, my, my usual crew. And this was all new to us, like extremely new. So literally, like I told everybody, including, our, including people coming through the haunt, like we're going to be very family friendly oriented. Like if a kid gets scared, turn on emergency flashers so we can back down because we're not have you know we're trying to get them enjoyable for everybody. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, they had cars that would literally like stop because we had a clown there, and just stop there and like freak out. And next thing you know, it had a line of twenty cars or or more backed up from where a clown is all the way to the cemetery, which is almost half half football or a little over half football field away. And I was like, Jesus, like, come on, like is it really that that was one of the issues we had. But for the most part, we try to keep everything tamed to where, you know, because it's people, you can't, under, you don't, it's like people freak out in haunted houses and you're basically telling them to get behind a, ve- a vehicle and drive through a road and you're supposed to scare them. And you never know what people's re- uh, action is going to be. So luckily enough, we had no issues with any kind of like, Nobody got hit. Nobody got hurt. Nobody ran into anybody. Um, did have a couple of people piss their pants and yell <laughs> at the window, which I like, if you're going to pee your pants, don't tell anybody, but thanks. But <laughs> I personally, when I got in my costume, I had a couple of people just gas the shit out of it and almost hit the back of other cars where I kind of like had to like back off myself. Um, and we had people that would like, uh, ripped their seatbelt off the front. They were sitting the passenger side. And when just, I'm guessing they had drinks and they brought food with them, this one person literally ripped their seatbelt off and wrecked the whole entire front of the car, trying to climb into the back seat as I, as I approached the car. Um, that was pretty interesting. <laughs> and then, yeah, of course, uh, they weren't supposed to. We had rules about not getting out of your car, not leaning out of your car and whatnot. But people still decided to roll their, you know, put their window down, which is fine. But um, we had a couple people like, you know, getting out of their cars, like sitting up on sitting up on the window part of the car and stuff, which it's just like people just don't think. Yeah. <laughs> but for the most part, we I, I was just very happy that we were able to pull that off very safely. Now to me that was to me that was the main thing. Now was this officially a Dead City Lodge event or was this a different no, name or anything like that? The, I know it was part of Haddad's Lake, but was it a yeah, yeah it was basically was the name hey, of the, hey it was basically Hey Dad it was basically Hey Dad's like presents Dissy Lodge. So it was like, oh, okay. you know, a collab- it was it was a collaboration. So Okay. Very nice. Travis, how about you? I know you didn't do a drive through, but what did what were some of the things that you had to do different this year? Well, so of course there's the basic stuff. Um, all of our characters had to wear masks. All of our guests had to wear masks. I had to hire on a about four additional people just to deal with uh, COVID screening questions and temperature checks, disinfecting. Um, we had a few props made to where basically it was a six foot long uh, PVC pipe with six severed feet on it. 
that our line actors would put between people if they got too close. Uh, um, you know, we um, at any place where there was a touch point, uh, you know, at the front door, um, at the ticket booths, concession trailer, anything like that, uh, that was part of our disinfecting. Once an hour, we'd come through and do that, along with the people actually working those spaces would clean in between every guest. Um, <clears throat> you know, some of the things that we did to hide the fact that our monsters are all wearing masks was um, we have an amazing costume uh, and makeup designer, Scott Morgan, and um, he had went and got a bunch of craft foam. And, you know, our, our theme is a mental hospital where evil experiments have been going on. So we had dozens of different kinds of uh, man in the iron mask type things uh, for all of our patients. Um, and that way that kind of hid the fact that, you know, they've got a mask underneath there. <clears throat> but, um, but beyond that, you know, trying to keep uh, the guests six foot away from the monsters, which wasn't too difficult to do um, because we are one of the few wheelchair accessible haunted houses in Louisville anyway. So our paths are bigger, um, you know, not as tight of turns, and, and we have the room to do that. Nice. And, and so, how, did uh, the, how did the customers like having to go through the restrictions of wearing a mask and stand six feet apart and all that? Okay, so, well, so we had thousands of guests this year, uh, which I'm excited to be able to say that number. Um, so, um, for the majority of them, there wasn't really that big of an issue. Um, there were a few folks that, you know, it's my right not to have to wear one. Uh, you know, they would come out and say, I have breathing problems. And our security team would just say, well, according to our warning sign, you shouldn't be here anyhow. So since you're at high risk and, you know, we, we would deny people entry. Um, part of the thing with <clears throat> the massive amount of, um, you know, prepping and talking with the health department and everything else. Um, I didn't want to be caught with my pants down. Basically, with all the things I said I would do, I had to make sure that if someone did arrive, you know, I was doing exactly what I said I would do. Yeah, it makes sense. You never know when the man is going to show up and, and check those kind of things. So. Oh, yeah. and But, but you know, really, um, it was constant you know, get your mask over your nose, mask over your nose. That was really the worst thing that we had to deal with. Um, of course, our very last customer of our very last night um, did not understand some of the things that we had to do. Like, I limited the amount of tickets that I would sell a night. And 20 minutes before closing, someone showed up. We had to turn them away. And now I've got six bad reviews because they couldn't get into the gate. And, um, you know, it's – so that's – it's kind of a small issue, but beyond that, it was a great season, and people really enjoyed the show. Got a lot of first-time haunt goers coming through this year, and that was phenomenal to see. Nice. Very nice. Heidi, I know we talked about it in May, and I know you were doing it on a smaller scale, but how was your season, and how much bigger did you have to uh, make everything as far as you know, the cleaning and the sanitizing and the mask wearing versus what you did back halfway? I actually, things went really well. I think we actually kind of loosened things up a little bit. I mean, you know, still exceeded, 
you know, the health department regulations in our area, but we didn't need 10 cleaning people we discovered. We needed maybe four. And, um, you know, we kind of, after a while, and it's funny because, you know, towards the end of the season, you get a really good system going, but for processing people, but kind of at the beginning, it was a little bit more difficult to make them, you know, you put down your social distancing markers and you think people just will stand by them where it says to stand. But for some reason, they all want to pack in there. So we actually had to hire people to like physically or not physically, but to verbally remind people, you know, okay, you need to stand right here. You need to stand right here um, while they were in line outside. And uh, we did a lot of the same things that Travis did. We had our makeup team was amazing. They prepped for months for it and they made these masks that go, you know, look theatrical and go over everyone's um, PPE masks. So we actually had like two layers there. Um, every actor, every employee had to wear a mask. Uh, every customer had to wear one. We, we live in an area, you know, that kind of more people were happy to wear them. It almost, sorry, of course I'm going to have dogs bark. Um, that they are, that they were pretty happy to wear them. I think that for the most part, the people that didn't want to wear them kind of went to some of the more rural haunts and the people that were like felt safer wearing masks and with the precautions we'd taken came to Fear Factor. And we were sold out of almost every time slot that we had all season long. Very nice. I remember you were talking about putting together a booklet yeah. on your procedures. And I know that you put that out there on social media for people who wanted it. How was that well received? Was, was that something that just, you know, lots of people went and downloaded or got a copy of? We, yeah, I think it started a conversation, you know, for sure of like, you know, something easy to be able to kind of adapt to your own haunted house and, and to, Make you know people at first the health department kind of rolled their eyes when we first talked about opening, and they actually would come. They would sneak over and they would watch us from a distance and to make sure that we were doing everything just like what was in our plan, and um, and so it was kind of nice that we had had that already and we had the planning done for it because they did show up several times and <laughs> and that was a little bit scary. Nothing but, scarier than the fire marshal or the inspectors coming through. Well, Especially you know, we're used to the, yeah, we're used to the fire marshal, but the health department's a whole nother level that we've never had before. So that was. Well, and because of what uh, Heidi and them did uh, out there, we, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I took what the information you all had and, you know, all of us locally kind of talked about that and decided, well, if we can branch off from that and make our own things that answer the questions that our state wants, um, you know, that's the way that we were able to do everything. So thank you, Heidi and your team for, you know, getting that ball rolling. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. That was, uh, that was fun. It was a, it was a great, you know, but overall there were some, I, I feel weird saying this, but there were some great things that came from, co you know, the COVID um, this year. Uh, time ticketing probably never would have happened for all these haunts to move over to time ticketing. And I think it's fantastic. Like it made the season so much smoother, not having those crowds all show up at nine o'clock. Um, I hope that stays. So, uh, you know, a few different things like that. I think customers just loved being able to get out, um, do things. The reviews were better because people weren't waiting in long lines. Um, overall, I think it was a really good season. Mm. Very nice. 
I want to remind you all, you are listening to the Roundtable of Terror here on The Big Scary Show with our guests, Heidi Dunfield from Fear Factory in Salt Lake City, Jesse Haley from the Dead City Lodge in Richmond, Travis Bowling from the American Horrorplex in Louisville, our usual co-hosts. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. In 1897, Dr. Alexander Hammond arrived at an institution for the criminally insane, only to discover the unsolved murders of several guards. Where are we? Jerry Vane takes you into Black Moon Asylum, a twisted abyss of torment, madness, and the horrifying mystery of Patient 292. Time for your medication. Black Moon Asylum, a symphonic journey into darkness from Hunstrumentalist Jerry Vane. Download Black Moon Asylum at jerryvane.com, iTunes, cdbaby.com, Amazon MP3, and your favorite download site. And we're back to the Roundtable of Terror with our guest, Travis Bowling from the American Horrorplex, Heidi Dunfield from Fear Factory, SLC, and Jesse Haley from the Dead City Lodge, all haunt owners who were open this year in the middle of a pandemic, and for the most part, seem to have pretty good seasons, but, you know, we've heard from other haunt owners and people who've gone to haunts, and I'll throw this question out to all of you, you know, jump in when you when you want but uh how were your customers there have been stories all over the country about fights breaking out about customers just being jackoffs for lack of a better word and you know there have been shootings at haunts this year it just seems that people were you know dying quote unquote to get out and have a good time but it just seems that tempers were short and it just seemed like a mess and customers were just more aggressive than ever. Do you guys have any of those problems at your various locations? That goes out to everybody. We didn't. Uh, I kind of, I'd heard about some of the like shootings and stuff and was worried a little bit. Um, Maybe the increased security that, you know, increased staff kind of warded it off, but our customers were actually more well-behaved than usual. You know, getting rid of the, the touch option and stuff that we normally have, uh, I think helped and, and having, to maintain that distance, um, it seemed like they actually were, we had less problems. I mean, of course, we're always going to have drunks and stuff, but we had less problems this year. And I've got to kind of uh, agree with uh, Heidi. I <clears throat> I didn't have uh, really too many problems. And, you know, we were also in Louisville dealing with uh, a few riots and uh, some severe protesting, other things like that. Um, and really, when it came to our location, no, no big issue. I had the same amount of security as I've always had. Um, my security, uh, you know, of course, does carry. Um, we have a wand that you know we wand down uh, just randomly throughout the night. Um, but but really, we we had a great season. Had to kick out, I think, three groups out of all the people who came through. Uh, but yeah, of course, you've always got the drunks, but I wonder if the spacing out where people weren't in each other's bubbles um, and, of course, the decrease wait time due to time ticketing, if any of that just helped keep the tempers down where we were, same with Heidi, and, um, you know, I, I don't know, but yeah, we had a great phenomenal season uh, as far as the guests go. Yeah, I was, I was kind of, yeah, I was surprised that um, it just... Because it's Richmond and 
everything's been going on. It seems like one little small thing that gets out of control. It's like everything's a powder keg and the world is full of Karens. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> but, um, you know, and honestly, um, yeah, in, in the past three years when we've done our haunts, we've had, you know, the course, the drunks, um, you know, especially when I did the blackout haunt and, you know, made everybody the, the rope haunt I did here in Richmond, we had drunks come there and rip things down and just get totally obliterated. But honestly, I mean, like, I'm very fortunate to have everything went as smooth as it did. Um, but it did, it did seem that way. It seemed like, you know, with everybody staying in their cars and, you know, doing their thing, we really didn't have any issues. Um, I couldn't tell who was drunk. Um, but I did smell some other things <laughs> from people's cars. Um, but honestly, it, it was a lot better than what I expected, especially around this area. And, you know, with all the shootings that were going on, like, I think I heard about the, I think I heard about the two shootings the first weekend of October. And I just kind of like, man, should I even be doing this? Cause it's, you know, around here is everybody likes their guns and it's just, it was, I was the worst case scenario always is on my mind for everything. No, but, uh, I- yeah. Come on here now, Jesse. What you smelled was purely for medicinal purposes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, but, but uh, uh, yeah, like I said, it was to me for the most part, this other than the Karens getting mad because they got turned away and didn't get in. And then you have the handful of people who were in that did get in and were expecting us to scare them so bad they run into the lake. Other than that, this year was awesome. <laughs> Very, very safe. Very safe. I mean, now could anybody tell from the uh, groups and attendance that you were having if these were? Because uh, I, I said a little bit about this earlier, the amount of people who had never been to a haunted house before that were coming out in droves. I had full-grown men with families that none of them had even thought of the idea of a haunted house, and you know they're forty, forty-five years old and never been and they loved it so are is anybody seeing that across the board i did i know i saw a lot of um older people like it seemed like um their kids you know i saw a lot of the older parents they're up in their 70s and you know they just got into their cars and their i guess their kids drove them to the haunt and oh it was really surprising i mean it, it was awesome i mean i i enjoyed seeing a lot of the uh the different variations of people who came out this year just because, you know, I've from, you know, a lot of this thing was that I got back from who were calling me was like, we just don't want to get out of our cars, you know, and, and it's, that made a lot more people come out and, um, yeah, I saw a lot of old people. Unfortunately, I saw a lot of infants. People were having their infants in their front seat using as their shield. I don't know, but whatever, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I saw a lot of new, like a new style of people from my from my haunt. I saw a new um, different some different people for like you could tell it was their first time because they were not expecting what they got. You know, I I've got to chime in here for a second, uh, guys, because um, I've been affiliated with a haunt in uh, southeastern Ohio called Backwoods Oddities Last Carnival. And they've been showing record numbers. Now, this place is literally in the middle of nowhere. I couldn't even do a Facebook Live when I was out there. But um, 
the owner, Alan, has just shown – I went out there one weekend. It was in the middle of October, and he was sold out before I even got there for both shows because he had a regular show going to midnight, and then he had an adult-themed show that went from midnight to two. And nice. um, he was posting record numbers for both shows. It was just amazing. Well, I think awesome. this. Uh, <clears throat> I think it also highlights something that a lot of haunt owners haven't gotten over the years: is you're not competing against other haunt attractions. You're competing against all entertainment. You know, on a Friday night in October, you're also competing against movies. You're competing against Friday night football, and a lot of that didn't exist this year. So you weren't just picking up people for haunts. Uh, um, I, I have a feeling a lot of these people who hadn't done haunts, you know, in previous years, it's because they were going to a movie they were going something that they were used to and, and doing before it was you know uh, high school football night that type of thing so i, I think it is a big pickup with that and a, a big reason for a bounce of numbers is because there's a lot less competition and not just competition from haunt attractions uh with it um well now see i agree with that but the question i have now is and, um, you know, Heidi, you know, if you can help out, because, I mean, you're a huge attraction that, you know, people just, you know, you say the name, they know, they know it. Um, but do you all think that the people who came because there was no movie, no, no football, um, you know, there wasn't any festivals, do you think now that they enjoyed the Haunted House, will we get those customers coming back? think so i mean just looking over the reviews they looked you know and talking to people at the exit it was exhilarating and it was fun for them to do something they may have been cooped up in their house for a while so that might be why but you know they had a, they left having a good experience and they you know in their mind for next year they'll remember oh yeah that was the the one thing that we did that was a lot of fun back then so i think a lot of them will be return customers it also builds on tradition. You know, a lot of a lot of people who go to a haunted attraction for a first time, they're looking for it as a tradition and a family thing to do in prior years. So that might be a goal with your marketing next year is, you know, <clears throat> Uh, hopefully we're not dealing with COVID the way we were before, but hey, do this tradition you started last year, come back to our haunt this year. You know, that might be the type of marketing stuff you're doing. Uh, one of my questions is, uh, each of you mentioned turnaways and, uh, uh, and you know, time ticketing. Uh, the turnaways you're talking about, were these walk-ups or were these uh, just the volume and you couldn't get to the last groups or people who showed up late for their uh, timing? For us, it was uh, walk-ups. We we had to turn away, and that hurts, but we had to turn away a lot of walk-ups just because we were completely sold out of every time slot and, you know, just kind of try and direct them to another day. It's something uh, for, we've never, ever done. <laughs> well, and the same thing here. I have never turned away a customer ever in life until this season, and it was because if we took anyone any more in, you know, the show was already going well past closing time, but our cues couldn't hold them. Um, you know, with being social distance, you know, having to send in groups of twos at a time will kill a line. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, that's where, you know, the last hour of the night, you're kind of turning folks away unless they've already got their tickets. Um, but yeah, most of them were walk-ups, but if they already had an online ticket sale or something else that we were offering, 
you know, I would let them come, but no walk up, buy at the ticket booth that late of the night. There was a couple haunts I saw um, that were posting, you know, we close at midnight and they were still running at 3.30 in the morning because of the amount of people that came through. They, you know, they just didn't want to, you know, didn't want to turn everybody away. But at the same token, people who had gotten their ticket times and everything and bought their tickets, they wanted to make sure that everybody who bought their ticket got through. And like I said, they were open to like 3, 3.30 in the morning. Oh my God, I feel so bad for the haunt actors. That was my but favorite the, thing about time ticketing was like getting out of there at a normal hour. There was a, there was a haunt in Indiana and I'm not going to say the name simply because I, I mean, even though they posted it on their Facebook, um, uh, you know, out of respect to them, but they did make mention on the last, on uh, Saturday that they had a lady who was a caretaker for an autistic child come through with the kid who was dr- uh, got the kid drunk to bring him through the haunt. And uh, some guys showed up at the haunt trying to um, barter, uh, you know, we'll give you meth if you give us tickets. So, you know, on top of every, of all the other fun of 2020, the wackos come out on Halloween. Oh, it was a full moon, too. Yeah. But, again, that's another marketing thing. So good. <clears throat> they they were willing to give up their meth. Hmm. <laughs> I, guess, I guess the other thing, too, to consider is, you know, I would guess somewhere between a third to half the haunts in this country did not open. So the competition between haunts where you would go to two or three a night the weekend before Halloween, there may have just been one in your town. So that may have also counted for increased and maybe new people who were used to going to their local haunt and then their local haunts closed. So they're driving to the next town because there's a new haunt that they've never been to over there. Yeah, so that, that may have had some of it, something to do with it. I'm sure there's there's a lot of that. But, you know, the, the, the thing that, you know, jumped out to our owners tonight is people had never been to a haunt before. So this wasn't your competition from other haunts. This was your competition from other entertainment. That's exactly. Uh, even sports and stuff, too. You know, everything was jumbled around and stuff. I think the World Series was the only thing that, you know, wasn't in, in, in the normal sports type of thing. You know, here in the Northeast, that was one of the things we'd have to contend with. Nights where the World Series and the local team was uh, playing, we'd actually see a little bit of a decrease in um, – our attendance and especially the times of the attendance. And uh, you can always work with that. And I, you know, my owners would complain and I'd be like, uh, this is gold because you know exactly who your target market is. Uh, you, you know, who's coming out to this. It's, it's sports fans. Stop uh, running commercials during Oprah and run it on, you know, the local sports network on cable It'll probably be cheaper. Run it on the, you know, MLB network. If you know, you're seeing that's where your drops and bumps are. Um, you know, have the family night, do the extra family coupon. So, you know, if people, you know, want to get out of the house while everybody else is coming over, they have some place to go, that type of thing, which uh, was always neat with it. Um, so for everybody on the call, was this your first year with time ticketing? Yes, for us it was. Wish I would have thought of it. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, you know, generally, what was your experience with it? You know, a, a lot of these great time ticketing groups, each one has a lot of unique selling points with it. They'll they'll have the different options, but you always there's always that fear of an owner on with jumping into it. And with am I going to deal with more complaints of people who want a refund didn't make it in time? Is it going to be more of a hassle? I always ran into that with owners. Practically. What is it that you found with time ticketing? And, uh, you know, Heidi, it, it, I'm really getting the feel that you're like, wow, I wish we did it, you know, years before. What what did you see and how did uh, time ticketing practically work for you? Well, it just, it, it brought the crowd. So we still got a lot of the same numbers, but it spread them out evenly. So we didn't have that mad rush. And it was just kind of predictable and you knew what to expect and, um, I loved that. The thing I hated about it was the the groups of two and the groups of three, you know, buggering up your line. We liked the the bigger groups and, uh, you know, of course not. That's where we were kind of competing against COVID because you can't have too big of a group. Um, but the we actually put a deal up where they could get a discounted pass if they had groups of six or more, where before it used to be groups of 20, we'd offer a discount. Now it was groups of six or more so that we could put them all in at the same time and, and just maximize that time slot that they were in. So that awesome. really took off. I mean, I think we instituted that like after the second weekend and when we were getting all these groups of twos and it just, it <laughs> filled up our time slots with sixes. It was great. Um, but I, I love time ticketing. I'm a fan now. Unfortunately, I did not do time ticketing. Only because, and I'm one of those dinosaurs that will die when things continue to change, but I technology is not my friend. Um, in this group chat before this started, it is surprising that, it, this, that I'm still on here. Technology <laughs> is a scary, scary thing, but, um, you know, my business partners, they like it. Um, you know, every, every morning I wake up and I count my tickets by hand because I don't trust the computer. So, um, but I can definitely see the benefits and I might have to lean into that a little more next year. Um, but I just know my system and I feel like my system works so well. <laughs> yeah. I felt like we would have had our butts handed to us if we had people picking their times this year again, but I, uh, it, you know, for us, it, you know, we had months to plan and we actually had to switch to a whole new ticketing company because our old ticketing company got bought out. And so we had oh. to change everything anyway and just dive right in. And, and so it was, you know, it was a no brainer for us. Yeah. We're definitely doing, we're, we're definitely going to do time ticketing next year. That, that, that was just insane. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> well, well, all I can say is Jesse and Travis, we have a very fine sponsor of this show that just happens to own a time ticketing company. We'll, we'll talk to you about them off the yeah, air. When yeah, we're just done. Shoot, me, shoot me some links. <laughs> we, we will definitely do that. I'm sure he would most love to have a conversation with you. <laughs> so with all the, uh, the, the good news, you had good numbers, you had, you know, excitement and the actors and the props and everything like that besides time ticketing is any of the modifications that you've made this year going to be 
permanent modifications. I mean, we don't know next year if COVID, if there's going to be a vaccine or if it's still going to be around or, or what, you know, are, are there going to be distance requirements that you've decided you think might be, might be something you adapt permanently, or maybe the drive-through will be something that, uh, that you might consider doing as a, as an upcharge or a side charge at a, at another location or, or, is there anything besides the time ticketing that you all seem to agree is good that you're planning on keeping? Well, for me, oh, go ahead. Good, 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 man. Okay. So for me, I found two things that without question, I'm going to keep. And it was one of them's off the wall. The other one was the disinfecting of everything and the checking of temperatures of my cast and crew. We all get the boo flu throughout haunt season. Um, and the, and you know, you can basically say so many people out of your crews want to get that and miss nights. We had such few call-ins this year, uh, due to illness of any kind. Um, so I don't know if it was that, of course, everyone wearing their masks, not spreading the germs. That was huge to know that I didn't have to panic that, you know, somebody's got, got the cold and they're going to give it to somebody else. And there goes all my zombies. And now what do I do? Um, I think I'm going to continue to try to keep the hygiene and sanitation and everything up to the level it is now um, to help with that. Um, you know, cause we've all done the normal stuff. You know, we do the wash, the costumes, we, um, you know, clean the bathroom, all the normal. But whenever we came to this level, I had no sick call outs this year. Um, the other thing that I'm going to keep is, um, I do very, very well, uh, you know, pre COVID with my sales, as far as my merch and concessions and, um, you know, just the odds and ends that I sell light ups, inflatables. But this year, um, this is one of those quirky things is I had a six foot gap in between all of my lines that just happened to back up against my concession trailer. Well, a couple nights in, I go, well, uh, Boogie, she's my salesperson. I said, Boogie, go up and down that line. You got all that room in the world. Walk around and sell some stuff. And our sales went through the roof with light-ups. <laughs> so um, those two things, you know, one has to do with the sickness. The other one is just happenstance, really uh, increased some sales. So I, I'm very tickled to death to have that. I kind of felt the same way uh, as far as I was actually talking about it uh, yesterday. We didn't have any haunt plague that went around this year, uh, which is just unheard of. But we did have people calling out sick, and we actually had a policy that they had to return with a negative COVID test in order to come back. You know, and it got rid of a lot of the fakers, I think, uh, that kind of just wanted a night off because they'd actually have to commit to go getting a COVID test. <laughs> and uh, so that was that was a... You know, but we, but no one really, we didn't have like a haunt bug that went around and that was, you know, that was nice. So I think we'll keep up with our sanitation stuff as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like on, on the border about the drive through haunt to me. It was fun. I enjoyed it. I think everybody else for the most part enjoyed it, but it's just something from doing like, you know, actual scaring somebody in a haunt versus trying to scare somebody in a car. It just, just doesn't, it's not as uh, fun. For me, I mean, at least that's on a personal level, but um, 
I think if we do keep the drive-through haunt, we're probably going to do the ticket in times, and then we're going to make a lot of adjustments. Um, one of the good sides is since we had such a good year, we can actually uh, get some like really nice quality props for next year. And um, the other thing we're also looking at um, is potentially adding um, if we do do if we do end up doing the drive-through haunt again next year. Um, Drew, I know you've been to Hey Dad's Lake before with the Guar. So there's so many buildings around there to do something with. We might just have a – because you have some people who are scared of the COVID and don't want to go to the car, and you have people who just, you know, don't care. So we're kind of thinking about, you know, if we do it, might take one of those pavilions and make a haunt out of that, and then that's we'll probably do them the same thing as everybody else is doing with the hand sanitizers and the spraying, spraying everything down uh, between guests. But um, I know we would. I know everybody, my, my old crew, would love to go back to regular haunting, um, even though the drive-through was fun. Not to have to wear a mask or double mask the <laughs> whole time. I mean, that's going to be nice for them to feel like they can breathe again. Yeah. <laughs> so that, 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 that was one thing I told my people though. Um, one like you know it was still it was like kind of two things. I told all my people to stay ten feet ten feet ten feet away from the car. You know, obviously, you don't want to hit. You don't want to get hit by a car, and you don't want to get close to anybody because you don't know who's coming through the haunt. You know, who could be, you know, COVID positive, or whatever. So that was one of the go-to rules, and that was one of the things of why I. Another reason why I was glad I was back there with the haunters, dressed myself. So if I somebody, if I saw somebody get too close to the car, they they got a little bit of a chewing. So. Good. I, I can only imagine if I can only imagine somebody going and touching a car, and then somebody <laughs> coming back the next day. Hey, I have a dent in my car that wasn't there before I came to the haunt, and you're uh, paying for it. Yeah, like I, I don't think I don't think anybody, um, the owner of Hey, I, I don't think anybody that was associated with us this year or or helped us do the haunt realized the stress level that I mean I. The stress level I had this year, it was just way more than I anticipated, especially after the first night and all those Karens going on and re- giving us reviews because they didn't get in. <laughs> it was just like, man, I'm trying to make everybody have, I'm trying to make everybody happy, trying to, you know, keep everybody safe as I possibly can. And, you know, just, just the craziness. It was just ridiculous. And like, one of my friends posted a video of her leaving. And just like, you know, she when she posted the video, and it was just almost, I think, almost two miles long of straight cars. And, I don't know, my heart just sank. I was like, that. I feel like a piece of crap. I was like, we got to get these cars through like a lot quicker. We got to do a better job. And it's like, I don't know. It was, it was ridiculous. But we were trying to keep everybody safe. But at the same time, everybody was safe. And that's what mattered at the end of the night. Well, yeah, but Jesse, come on. Who knew that people were going to, you know, a drive through haunted house? You know, the closest thing you've got is a hay wagon ride. And you're in control of that, let alone. You know, people driving their own cars and everything else that, you know, you took a huge chance, a huge risk, and apparently it paid off. And, you know, props to you, man, uh, because there's no way I could have done something like that. And, you know, I'm a small operation compared to most people. Um, you know, Same. Drew, he, he's been to my place. Um, it's not, you know, anything huge, but, you know, that's what keeps me afloat. For a lot of times is the haunt money at the end of the year because I've spent so much money on the haunt during the off season. <laughs> but, um, you know, 
props to you. You know, good job. Yeah, don't sell yourself short, especially for something new. Uh, you know, that big of a change, doing a different type of attraction to it. You know, there's a big attraction up here in uh, Providence, Rhode Island, where the local zoo. Now, this is the zoo. They operate constantly. They have full staff. They have everything going on. And they do a um, jack-o'-lantern trail every year. And this year, they open up more, put in the parking lot and some of the different trails with it. So they had a drive through one. They had the time ticking and everything. And the first weekend they did it, their times fell off so bad that they were actually, you know, an hour and a half, two hours behind uh, your time ticking and lining up. And this is also some more geared toward family and younger kids with being jack-o'-lanterns and not a scare type of thing. Yeah. So they, you know, this is a big professional thing, a lot of planning and going into it. And they were even caught off guard and pushed back, you know, two hours and stuff, had to readjust how they're doing. It. And they actually got to a point where they're rushing cars through it so that you couldn't really take it in. So, like, one of the biggest complaints wasn't as much as the hour and a half wait, it was the hour and a half wait. And then it was only a 10 minute attraction instead of 20 minutes or a half an hour with it. So, you know, definitely don't sell yourself short with it, uh, you know, that you did have big waits and big crowds like that. And, uh, you know, you're also saying with the local police and stuff, did they invoice you for uh, traffic control or anything? Uh, not, no, actually, uh, not to discredit the police officers, but we had, um, the police officers did a great job the first two nights. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was also like, you know, us getting the word out that the cutoff was at 10 o'clock. Yeah. And then the very second week around, um, we actually got, some people who some friends that actually uh, were able to do traffic control and they, they were, you know, and they knew how to do that. So the second weekend around we would, they, they were able to do uh, control the cars and car flow better. Cause the first two nights uh, the traffic was backed up like about three or four miles going both ways out of the gate of hate ads versus uh, the weekend two rolled around um Unless you were, unless you lived in that area, you basically were blocked off. So the traffic flow came from one direction versus two directions. And See, so. yeah, uh, up here in the Northeast, um, if that happens, then they call out traffic uh, patrols for you, and then you get a bill. And it's about one hundred fifty, two hundred dollars for the officer, and they're hundred dollars an hour. This is an hour for the car. And if you're backed up, you know, a mile plus, then they send two officers and they send three and you have no control over that. So, yeah, that, 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 that was, that was one of our like biggest concerns. Cause it's like, you know, well, of the many concerns, I guess I can say there was no one big concern. There was a bunch of big concerns, yeah. but uh, yeah, it was like, um, you know, was like, all right, doing great numbers. And he was like, like the thing in the back of my head is like, man, we get a, we get hit with a huge bill. But so far, so good. I mean, quietness is good i guess but um yeah you know but i, I mean the plus thing is <laughs> even with those hiccups and stuff like that you would consider doing a drive-through again you know having that type of element oh, with a haunt if if needed. Ab absolutely if we're gonna do a drive-through haunt next year it, it, it's gonna um definitely be way way better it's gonna be run you know obviously a lot smoother but um the one good thing i will bring from it is you know everything that i've done uh through the um, the the haunt that I've been doing, it just, like I tell everybody, I'm basically putting myself through haunt college. And, uh, <laughs> you know, when I saw the opportunity to do a drive through haunt, I was like, 
Uh, I'm de- I definitely can't pass it up because, you know, we're, you know, bad or good, I'm learning how to do something this different, you know, so. That's great. I, uh, you know, it's kind of funny because, like, we've got, we had a system down. This was our ninth season, and we had a system down for eight years where we've, you know, gradually gone from complete chaos to pretty organized. And this year I felt like we were, like, baby haunters that were kind of starting <laughs> over again from scratch and trying to figure out, like, something that had never been done before. There was, like, no blueprint or anything and trying to figure it all out and hope that, you know, hope that we didn't screw something up. And So, uh, so do, you, do you feel that that, you know, looking back on it, and it's probably real soon having just, you know, we're, it's November 2nd, so we're, we're just right out of uh, the weekend, everything with it. But do you think that's going to be something that, you know, is is going to be wow that was really stressful that was tough or is it going to be that was different we made it through and you know sort of re-energized and maybe stayed off some of the haunt burnout because it is a change after eight years and and you know it wasn't monotonous but you know it was a challenge we got through are are you getting that feel with it or or do you think it's just a big headache and we'll do less headaches next year with it oh geez well i feel like I feel like if we could get through this year, then it's all uphill from here. Mm-hmm. Right, sorry, all downhill from here. <laughs> it's, all, it's all on the up and up from here. Like everything's got to be easy. This has to have been probably one of the hardest years. But with that said, there were some good things that came from the, this year. And, you know, we were able to manage it. So if you can manage that, you know, you can manage a pandemic in a state that's doing terrible numbers. Yeah, who would have thought that it, with the pandemic going on, you guys would actually learn how to run the haunt the way you are for this year and make it safe. Yeah. Think, you, I mean, you think it's safe already to begin with, then you have something like this happen, and it's like, okay, this just up the ante of you yeah. know, what we need to do. And did you I hate to put it out there, but we're all kind of pretty big deals. You know, we're, we're <laughs> kind of... <laughs> okay. you know it's it's a big deal within yourself and everything i've seen a lot of smaller haunts do really good this year i've seen smaller haunts this year not do so good uh you know things uh you know the the people that you get with any haunt season just say you know what i'm not going to plan i'm not going to think ahead i'm not going to listen to an awesome podcast and a round table like this i'm just going to throw some people on a tractor that can't hold it and then you have accidents and then you have you know backup lines and stuff we uh years ago they had a little pumpkin walkthrough down the road from me and is a blueberry farm and you know they'd worked it out and they didn't advertise or anything just word of mouth a little bit on facebook you know set up an event and stuff they had ten thousand people try and come to it it blocked up traffic for miles and stuff that sounds familiar (laughs) but here's (laughs) here's the difference they threw up their hands and never did it again I mean, gold mine opportunity, even working with other haunts and stuff in a way, you know, you get that kind of traffic and stuff with it. You plan ahead next time you run a shuttle bus, you, you do a couple of little things, but you know, they just threw up their hands and said, Nope, never again. And, you know, sold the blueberry farm within a couple of years with it, you know, because you don't have the extra revenue and stuff to it too. So, you know, even big, little, small, anything out there, it's, powering through it it's learning for it and even the haunts that didn't open this year don't feel bad and stuff with that because this is a this is a tough choice and i, I don't know how much we t- uh, touched on that with you guys tonight too but you know how tough of a choice was it to open this year for each of you mm, 
I think it was a little bit scary because we didn't know like how, you know, it cost a lot of money just to get started and mm-hmm. you know, to put that out without the assurance that we would be able to stay open was a little bit scary, but um, you know, like I, I felt pretty confident you know, we're in a business friendly area and I felt pretty confident we'd be okay, but I wasn't a hundred percent positive. So it was a big gamble. A gamble, but more, but turns out more of an investment in your haunt this year. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, you know, I figured even if we lost money on it, that it was kind of, it would be, you know, it kept us in the game for next year instead of just becoming, you know, that much harder next year to start back up again. That's the big risk. And I think that's, that's the question a lot of haunts were facing. I think a lot of them really saw, I'm going to lose if I open, but you know, is it worth the risk? Is it worth the investment? Uh, Jesse and Travis, did you get feelings like that this year with your decision to open? I mean, I would, I, go ahead, man. No, go ahead, Jesse. Go ahead. I, I, like, I, like I said at the beginning of it, I was just kind of like just done with all of it. Um, just all the stress from last year. And, you know, last year was a good year for us too. But just I was just like I don't even want to do it and until I got approached about doing – you know, from the uh, Hey Dad's Lake or whatever, but um, the ultimate the ultimate haunter trap. You know, for the rest of us, we drive by a vacant building or a four lease in there, and you, you, it goes through. What kind of haunt could I make from that? Is the yeah, ultimate it, trap for you? <laughs> and it was just like the perfect storm. Just driving, you know, taking my kid to the water park, and mm-hmm. you know, it was like they got a pretty long road here, and it was like you know, the entrance was at Osborne, and the exit was um, I forgot the other uh name of it but the entrance and exits were on two different roads and i was like why the hell not but um yeah it was just yeah it was just one of those things where i was like well you know me also being in a band also is one of those things where when this when this covid hit you know being richmond has a lot of small bands and a lot of lot a lot a lot of bands around here just broke up and for us you know in my band we're just like you know we've got to show face and um we started doing um, I have a studio upstairs, which I'm at now. Everything's electronic, including the drum kit. So we actually did a couple of live jams, and it, the audio was great. But yeah, it, could, it goes. It, I think to me, it was no brainer. It was all about kind of like just showing face. And to me, like I said, if we did 50 cars all both weekends, you know, I would have been happy with it just because we could have been one of the haunts. Be like, even though you know the two big theme parks closed down, one of the smaller haunts was still you know doing its thing. I understand uh, what you're. I understand what you're saying when you brought up about the, you know, with your band and everything. I have been in Ohio for four years and finally got a band together with the right guys. I mean, it's taken me a year to find the right people for this project. Just got the drummer on board, and two days later, everything got shut down. Yeah, we haven't even rehearsed yet. <laughs> we hadn't even been able to get together to rehearse. Everybody got the set list. Everybody learned the songs. Then all this hit, and the place that we rehearsed at, they shut their doors, sold off all the equipment. I mean, you know, it. It, it was. It. I feel your pain, man. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to open "Do or Die," so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, I'm looking at the clock, and we do need to start winding this down. I, I believe Heidi has an engagement she has to go to in a minute. So any final questions from the ghosts before we uh, wind this up? I do got one quick one I was saving. I know I've been asking all the fun questions the past 20 minutes. Um, 
the biggest impact on the season I feel this year has been on the vendors and, you know, with each opening this year, finding something different. Uh, tell us one thing you want the vendors out there to make for you, something you need when you go to a show or when you're ordering online, what do you need after this year? Whether it be like traffic control lights, something like that. What do you need? Um, Heidi, you first. I was thinking about this actually earlier that if there's a ticketing company that could just really refine the time ticketing, um, you know, process. And, and I, I don't know, I think something like that still has kind of been ignored a little bit in the haunt industry. They, there are time ticketing options, but each one has kind of their own little specialty and there's not something that's like the whole package. So now I know a lot more about it and kind of know what I want. And, and seeing this stuff build up, like you said, you know, it's easier for a group of six and you, you can, do that block it's it's more of a value to you so having that option with time ticketing is pretty neat uh jesse what about you what what do you need from a vendor this year um the one big thing i would like to get or i think it's already been out there i just gotta find it but um one of the um one of those little things you dial your radio into your car radio into Mm -hmm. and you can listen to music yeah um it'd be really i'll because another way, what they have those things for the uh, when you go buy, or you're looking at a house and you tune to whatever AM channel, the little things pumping a little thing. Yeah, a little FM transmitter. Uh, it'd be really cool if a vendor would do a radio transmitter with a certain type of uh, sound. Hmm. Uh, you know, like uh, you know, like if you're going through an area where there's a slaughter scene, just have blood splatter and you know things getting chopped up and squeak, you know, screaming and all that stuff. Um, basically all on one device. Hmm. So if you're going on a haunted road, it's not just one continuous soundtrack. Each scene will have its own soundtrack once you and on the same dial. That's, that's pretty neat. You know, low power one, you put them all on the same frequency. How, how cool of a little trip is that? Each one going in, your radio fuzzes out as you get out of range and then yep. into range and the next one. That's, that, that's pretty neat. Yeah, somebody, somebody needs to get on that. Get your event boxes that can also transmit uh, by uh, FM. That would be pretty cool. Travis, what about you? What do you need from the vendors? I need two things. I need better customer service from some of them so they can just communicate better to me um of course i have to do it all through the snail mail because technology again scary thing um (laughs) Mm -hmm. but the other thing i need you actually hit the nail on the head i need light up traffic signs and uh things that i can put out towards the road and parking lot saying parking you know cross here all that stuff so i don't have to make it during the season this year it makes a huge difference too. I couldn't believe, you know, I was out in Vegas years ago and I'm, I'm looking and I'm on overpass. I'm like, what the hell is that? And it is the street sign, but it's lit up like a, like a, uh, you know, it's got, it's backlit. And I'm like, why the hell is the rest of the free world not even have this? So yeah, <laughs> believe me, it makes a huge difference than trying to spotlight just a regular sign or, or you know, the reflective, you got to have the reflective signs and then you bounce the light all off of it. So oof, kudos on that one too. Well, I know we could probably talk for another hour or two about this, but unfortunately we do have to wind mm-hmm. this down. So 
I want to thank our very special guests for being here, Jesse Haley from Richmond, Virginia and the Dead City Lodge, Travis Bowling from the American Horrorplex in Louisville, Kentucky, Heidi Dunfield from Fear Factory in Salt Lake City, Utah. This is the part of the show we normally call the plugs. So for people who want information about your haunted attraction, if you're putting on a Christmas event or a Valentine's Day or Friday the 13th or anything like that, uh, ladies first, Heidi, how can people get more information about Fear Factory with websites, social medias, etc.? Well, you can visit our website at fearfactorysLC.com or our Facebook page, Instagram page, Fear Factory SLC. Or you can just friend request me on Facebook and I'm happy to tell you. Do you have an event coming up before the end of the year or yeah, anything like Friday that? Friday the 13th we'll be open, weather pending, so we're crossing our fingers for some good weather right now. Um, but we're planning on being open in about two weeks, very, less than two weeks now. Very, very nice. Jesse, how about you? How can people get more information about Dead City Lodge in Richmond, RVA, represent? Well, we're still in, we're on Facebook That's and um, Instagram. So that's pretty much where we're at right now. We don't have, we have a web page, but it's halfway built and doesn't even work right. So, <laughs> but yeah, basically Dizzy Lodge um, on Facebook and uh, same thing on Instagram. Yep. Nice. And Travis, I know you have no end of things to plug here. So tell us about how people can get information about the American Horrorplex in Louisville. The American Horrorplex can be found at AmericanHorrorplex.com, American Horrorplex on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, uh, and all kinds of cool, groovy things the kids are doing today. And um, also, I've got, you better watch out, our Christmas event coming up December 11th and 12th. And then we've got Eat Your Heart Out coming out in Valent uh, for Valentine's Day in February. Very nice. And just to correct you on something earlier, I've never been to the Horrorplex. I have been to the 7th Street Haunt, though, when you still had that. But I'm looking to get out there one of these years and check it out. So Thank maybe you. by Christmas. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk off air. But once again, folks, it has been a pleasure to talk about the haunts that were open this year, the modifications that they had to make this year. And of course, we couldn't do this without our great hosts, including the man with questions, Storm. I, I, you know, I, I'm digging that, you know, small event box FM transmitter, you know, that, that way I can just make my, the hunt for Chupacabra haunt and just not even have it anywhere. Just throw these boxes all around town and make people tune in. That'd be awesome. That <laughs> is a brilliant idea. Sounds like geocaching. <laughs> I'm an avid cacher myself. The man with the very satisfied appetite, Meat Hook Jim. I have, and I can keep going on and on about it, but I want to thank our guests. It's been it's been illuminating. It, it we weren't sure how this was going to pan out, and you know, for the most part, what I've heard is there's a lot of positivity that's worked out of this season. So that's an that's awesome to hear, and uh, congratulations to you for your successful seasons. We also want to thank the man whose music should be in all of your haunts, hmm? Jerry Van. Uh pan out in the pandemic but jim had a pan seared hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's nice my name is drew badger and i'll just tell jesse that uh if you are going to do one of those drive-throughs next year you should invest in one of those little tracks they have at those automatic car washes you can just hook the cars up and run them at a certain distance and a certain speed badger has never talked to a car wash owner <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Actually, we had one in Richmond that did that. Yeah, they have they have haunted car washes out there. I've I drove past one in no, Ohio. No, no, no I know, but the, you hear what <laughs> happens to cars with those tracks, man. Well, yeah, they get torn up. <laughs> it it is what it is, man. Yay, yeah, you assume all risks when you go to a haunted attraction. On behalf of the Big Scary Show, this is the Roundtable of Terror. Don't you go anywhere. We'll be right back. We just spent 40 minutes talking about Karens and Badgett's like, oh yeah, nah, he assumed risk, no problem. <laughs> I'm nothing if not inconsistent. I think we're going to have a Karen uh, scene next year. Just have her sitting in a car screaming about stuff. They did come out with a Karen mask this year. I think Trick or Treat Studios, I think, put that out. Yeah, we were, try- we were trying to get that at uh, the Spirit Store yesterday and they were sold out. owners, actors, and enthusiasts, join the new Ohio Haunters Association. We are working with haunters across the state, from home to pro, to strengthen the Ohio haunt community. Open to all owners, actors, makeup artists, prop builders, designers, and Halloween paranormal enthusiasts. The Ohio Haunters Association, where haunting is the heart of it all. Look for us on Facebook. I met him 15 years ago. I, I was told there was nothing left. No reason, no uh, conscience, no understanding, and even the most rudimentary sense of good or evil, right or wrong. I met this six-year-old child with the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him. And then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. Van Helsing's Curse, Halloween, on The Big Scary Show.
are invited to witness a shattering adventure in total fright. You have never experienced the sheer terror, the menacing suspense that awaits you when you see Watch Me When I Kill. Watch Me When I Kill. Rated R. Greetings, listeners, and welcome. Watch out. Don't trip over that torso. It's time for Between the Corpses. Greetings, listeners. Meat Hook Jim here. And on this episode of Between the Corpses, we are going to talk about Italian funeral rituals. The rich culture and history of Italy are impossible to separate from a strong religious influence of the Roman Catholic Church. Italy contains the highest number of Catholic parishes in the world, and it's not surprising that Roman Catholicism permeates every facet of Italian life. In fact, over 80% of Italians identify as Catholic, so you'll see a lot of similarities to traditional Catholic funerals. <clears throat> Within each region and city, Italian culture is built around close-knit communities. The best reflection of their relationship is the Rosetto effect. In the 90s, researchers found that the Italian-American Rosetto community had a low mortality rate, noting that any incidents of heart attacks were much lower than their neighbors. The existence of strong community connections is one of the most common denominators for people around the world who tend to live longer. But in particular, the closeness of Italian families is commonly reflected in any large family celebration, from marriage ceremonies to funeral services. At most large events, it is expected for extended family members and friends to attend, no matter how far they live. If you are planning your loved one's funeral or are simply interested in Italian funerals, there are some details about the rituals and etiquette involved. Italy is home to Vatican City, the smallest independent city-state in the world. The Vatican is the headquarters of the Pope, leader of the Roman Catholic Church, and its government. Prior to 1984, the Italian government was firmly connected to the Church. The modern Italian view on death is rooted in Roman Catholicism, giving it lengthy history in the country. Roman Catholics believe in heaven, hell, or purgatory after death. Italians have many celebrations for their saints and their deceased loved ones, celebrating on the culturally shared days like All Saints Day and Day of the Dead. They believe that life after death is like another journey, with the soul continuing to see, hear, and taste. Italians leave offerings for souls that come at night on the Day of the Dead, not unlike Mexican traditions, with an ofrenda. Traditional ritual practices in Italy were based in folk beliefs. Italian peasants believe if certain rituals weren't followed, then the spirit of the deceased could return to haunt the living. The deceased may have been buried with objects that they used, like cigarettes or coins. Precautions were taken for the dead to stop spreading the disease to the living. At La Necropoli de Bambina, or the Cemetery of the Babies, 
Researchers found bodies of children buried with small sacrifices like puppies and animal bones to pacify the soul from returning. One 10-year-old girl was buried with a stone in her mouth. Another girl had stones weighing down her hands and feet to stop her from returning to haunt the living. Later, Italian funerals became more concerned with the proper display of the body. The deceased was embalmed, if the family could afford it, wore expensive clothes, and was surrounded by elaborate flowers. In traditional southern Italian villages, expenses were not spared for funerals, even for poorer residents. As mentioned before, efforts were made to stop the soul from returning to the living. Villagers believed that the deceased were unwilling to make their journey to, to the afterlife. To stop evil from entering the body, they sprinkled salt around the home and on the chest of the deceased. Funeral services differed between the signori, or mayor, landowners, and the peasants. The signori had more money to spend on elaborate funerals centered around the deceased. Here are some common traditional practices outlined below. The wood or zinc casket was engraved with the family crest or name and pulled by black horses. Peasants used wood caskets that were carried by friends and family on foot. Both the signori and the peasants attended a Roman Catholic Mass with selected scriptures and eulogies read. The priest blessed the casket. The signori received a sacrament, special blessing, from the priest like an offering of bread or holy water. Some caskets were blessed with holy water or incense. Friends and family returned home by a different route to confuse the soul, preventing them from finding their way back. Then they ate dinner together and end the funeral. Italian funeral rites are largely focused on calming the soul through prayer. Periods of mourning differ based on the city location, but the family usually wore black for one to two years. The modern Italian funeral is a community affair. Here are examples of Italian etiquette you may find different than American funerals. Deaths must be registered in the residence of the deceased and permits may, be, may need to be acquired for burial. Italians don't announce deaths in obituaries as Americans do. Instead, death posters are hung up in the middle of town. The open death advertisement invites the entire community to the funeral. Depending on the city, permits are required to hang posters on the street. Funeral homes are growing in popularity, but are still not commonplace. Traditional Italians host family and friends in their home with a room prepared for the deceased where the community can, can say goodbye. If space is unavailable, the family brings the deceased to hospital morgues. A closed casket is popular at secular funerals in Italy, but still seem seen as taboo. Italians value touch. Family members, including children and friends, are intimate with the dead. They will often kiss the forehead or cheek and touch the hand in farewell. Roman Catholic hymns are often translated from English to Italian at funerals. Selections from Italian composers and singers such as the opera singer Andrea Bocelli are favorite songs to play at the funeral. Families may want to opt for an Italian composer at their funeral. Roman Catholics are firm believers in the Holy Trinity, or the unity of Father, God, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Typical funeral prayers heavily involve the Trinity as part of their wish for God to guide their deceased loved one on 
as well as traditional prayers used in Mass. Here are some familiar prayers you may hear at your loved one's funeral. Our Father, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And the Apostles' Creed, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. It is important for Roman Catholics for the priest to say over the dying to ease their passing. Family, friends, or clergy members may say prayers on three occasions. They are vigil. Family members and friends speak about their loved one. The church prepares prayers or scriptures. The rosary. This prayer lasts 20 minutes. Family members can personalize the service by leading loved ones in prayer. And the wait. Prayers may be said when family and friends visit the body at the morgue or home. The wake before the funeral can take place anywhere, including the church, family home, or another comfortable location. Next, the family holds funeral mass at a church. Lastly, the remains are moved to a cemetery or interred at a graveside service. Elaborate flowers are an important sign of respect for the family and their loved ones. Traditionally, floral wreaths were attached to, to caskets. The landowners had more elaborate wreaths. They were in the shapes of the moon, stars, and a clock to help ease the soul's journey into the afterlife. Today, flowers, are, flowers with banners are adorn the casket. Flowers are present in the church or given as a gift to the family. It's best to choose traditional flowers like chrysanthemums, carnations, roses, or lilies. You can expect the funeral to be a family affair. A somber and hectic mood may meet you at the family's home. Italians don't shy away from death, and you can expect funeral etiquette to be traditional and family-centered. You want to wear dark colors, usually black, at, at an Italian funeral. Casual attire like jeans and sneakers is discouraged, as it can be seen as a sign of disrespect to the family. Italians place great emphasis on flowers. Instead of monetary donation or material gift, you may want to consider bringing food. Before the funeral, the family will usually host guests at their home and share in a meal. The family isn't expected to cook while grieving, so bringing meals can be a very helpful gesture. Italians are usually buried, yet the location of the remains may shift over the years. Due to the lack of space, Burial plots can be rented for a period of 10, 20, or 30 years. Later, the remains are placed in a communal area or cremated. It is popular for boxes of older remains to be stacked together and put into a recess in a wall. It is important to note that under Italian law, the deceased cannot be buried until 24 hours pass. Because of restrictions, ground burials are becoming less common. In recent years, cremation has become a popular option due to cost and space. As of 1963, the Roman Catholic Church lifted the ban, but there are some guidelines. Remains cannot be scattered. Remains are not in the home, but at a sacred place instead. Your loved one's remains can be placed in a heavy box and dropped into the sea. The church recommends a final resting place at a cemetery or a mausoleum. The Italian funeral is less about joy and more about grief. You can expect to see the family with their hearts open and grieving. Italian funeral history focused on the soul and religion. As long as you follow traditions and etiquette, you can feel 
confident when attending a, an Italian funeral. Well, that went pretty much the way I expected it to go. Um, a couple of things I wasn't aware of, but, uh, you know, it gives you kind of a look into the Roman Catholic slash Italian side of funerals. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of Between the Corpses, and we'll catch you on the next show.
Ready to dress up your show? Need to pump new life into old props? Just want to show something no one else has? Do what Alice Cooper, Distortions Unlimited, and A-list haunters all over the world do. Wear Von Karam. Durable, handcrafted, dependable, year after year. Von Karam. When you scare enough to wear the very best. Von Karam.com. V-O-N. C-H-A-R-O-N dot com As we slide back into the swamp where we hid the body, we would like to thank the following sponsors. Screamline Studios Dark Imaginings Von Caron Productions Hot Pay Ticket Leap and Creepy Collection we would also like to thank Virgil Franklin, master of the Ether Muse, as well as the Fordga hosts, including Storm, Rants and More, HauntMinute.com, The Unknown Scare Actor, Actor Trainer and Traveling Actor Troop. For more information, check out MaulMonsters.com, that's M-A-U-L Monsters.com. Drew Badger, Actor Trainer and Consultant. Find out more at rabidbadger.org. And Jerry Vane, the Haunstrumentalist. For all your heavy metal and haunt needs. jerryvane.com And finally, you, the listener. Without you, we are nothing. The Big Scary Show is copyright Big Scary Show LLC, and no rebroadcast of this show may be made without express permission of the owners. All music used on The Big Scary Show is used with expressed permission of the artists themselves.